fizzing glow of the fireworks lit up Doris's face. Leonard watched the soft curves of her cheeks gently spark and fade from the other side of the crowd. Red. Gone. Blue. A pickup truck stood by itself in the field some 75 yards away, its white wall tires coated with grass cut that morning. A spray of smoke leapt off the bed where a man with skinny arms stood up. Silhouetted above the tree line, he removed his baseball cap and wiped his head with his forearm. The orange cherry of a cigarette glowed in the driver's seat window. Doris wove between summer bare legs and bulging belt buckles, shimmying her way to the front of the crowd. Plumes of smoke whistled and wound their way into the sky, popping and thundering in showers of electric color. Doris's head bobbed steadily up and down, following the light. The murmuring among the crowd came to a crescendo with each new explosion. Leonard shifted his weight from one foot to the other, hands in his pockets. He craned his neck slightly to the side to follow the girl's movements. Her pale skin shimmered and hummed with the mosquitoes in the muggy July night. She neared the middle of the crowd and was lost from Leonard's sight. His heart paused. He walked around a couple of people at the back end of the crowd, head fixed on the last spot that he saw the girl, making his way towards the far edge of the dividing rope. Looking down the line, he saw no sign of her or her wavering blonde ponytail. Doris pressed the fabric of her sundress against her thighs and licked her top front teeth. The fireworks were coming in more rapid succession now. She could hear them. She retracted her steps back, jogging now and bumping against stomachs and brushing through skirts as she went, bursting out into the clear behind the crowd. She parted her lips and drew into herself as much of the summer air as she could, held the night in her chest a moment, and then exhaled as she turned and took a few steps backwards, tilting her head up to see what she could see of the fireworks now. A wall of heads still blocked most of her view. She began making her way around the crowd to the other side of the field. Her bare feet smacked against the summer-hardened and cracked earth, catching now and then on raised lumps of grass. Leonard followed. When Doris found her family, her father was folding up the blanket while her mother lightly pulled the stroller back and forth in front of her. She asked where they were going. The fireworks are too much for your brother, her mother said. He hasn't stopped crying since they started. Is it all right if I stay, Doris asked. Her mother looked at her father, and her father packed the blanket against his chest and raised his eyebrows. Catherine's parents are still here. I can stay with her, Doris said. Doris's father glanced at his wife and then back at Doris. Are you sure it's all right with her parents that they drive you home? It always is, she said. All right. Be safe. Her father stuffed the folded blanket into his armpit, and Doris ran off back into the crowd. She found Catherine. Taking Catherine by the wrist, the two darted out towards the fringes of the crowd and ended up in the parking lot, where a red thunderbird pulled up next to them, gleaming off and on with the light of the fireworks. A boy leaned his head out. Leonard watched from the front seat of his truck, his cheeks burning like coals of a newly dead fire. Is that you, Arthur? said Catherine. What's shaking, baby? said Arthur. Wow, said Catherine. I didn't know you had your own car. It's his dad's. The reply came from the passenger seat. Arthur slugged the person who had set it on the arm before leaning back on the windowsill. Yeah, well, he lets me take it out for a spin whenever I want, so it's basically mine, he said. That's so cool. Randall, is that you? Doris spoke. Randall arched his neck to see, leaning over Arthur and sticking his elbow into his thigh. Arthur jerked and shoved Randall into the steering wheel. Staccato honk. 
Doris and Catherine giggled out in the gravel parking lot. Arthur flexed his thumb back at Randall, who sat in the passenger seat massaging his jaw. He's a real wet rag. Sorry about him. Is he all right? Doris asked. Randall gave a weak thumbs up with his free hand, not raising his eyes from the floor of the car. Say, baby, what do you say we hop in and we can goose it out of this joint? Are you sure? said Catherine. My parents are still here. Of course I am. This place is nowheresville. Fireworks are for little kids. Can Doris come? Nah, we gotta go scoop up Randall's girl next. There won't be any room. Sorry. Well, ain't that a bite, said Catherine, turning to Doris. It's all right, said Doris. I want to see the end of the fireworks anyways. Arthur honked the horn and Catherine jumped a bit. He laughed and Catherine began scooting towards the car, her head turned back towards Doris. I'm sorry, she said, now skipping to the car. I'll be back in a few to go home with you and my parents. Doris closed her eyes and mockingly kissed the air, jutting her hips back and wiggling her ass. Catherine clenched her teeth in a nervous grin, checking to make sure Arthur hadn't seen Doris making fun of them. The car belched twice and then scratched its way out of the parking lot, gravel popping beneath the tires. Behind Doris, the fireworks boomed and sizzled, boomed and sizzled. As soon as Doris turned back to face them, she heard footsteps behind her. Doris? Leonard spoke. Doris? She turned. Leonard approached her from across the parking lot. Doris Fensington, right? Yes, sir. I knew it. Do you remember me? Doris bit her bottom lip. From the hardware store. You and your dad were in all the time a few summers back. Oh, that's right, said Doris. I remember now. We were working on my baby brother's room. I haven't seen you guys much lately, though. I don't remember you being so big. Doris smiled wanly and drew a shape in the dirt with her toe. How old are you now, he asked. Fifteen, she replied. Man, oh man. Leonard looked at her for a moment, a small smile curling at the corner of his lips. He was about a foot and a half taller than her and wore a pair of suspenders that tightly traced the contours of his lank frame over a yellowing t-shirt. His nose hooked downwards and cast a shadow across his chin. Well, said Doris, I want to go catch the last of the fireworks. It was nice seeing you again. Yup, said Leonard. Doris turned and headed back to the crowd. Leonard tongued his mustache and studied her as she went. Doris plunged back into the sea of people, looking for Catherine's family. After several minutes, she had still not found them, and she gave up. Wandering through the crowd, she heard the fireworks above her coming in more rapid succession. The pops and fizzles more hurried, the pauses shorter. She began fighting her way through the dense vegetation of hips and thighs, constantly checking over her shoulder to see if she could see the fireworks grazing the night sky. She never could. The fireworks grew more plentiful and more rapid. The crowd sensed this and began to spread out, an anemone floating and expanding in the current, everyone clamoring to get a perfect view of the imminent finale. Doris ducked out of the crowd and into the adjacent forest. Stepping over fallen logs, Doris trudged her way through the trees and around to the back of the field, where the pickup truck with the fireworks was directly between her and the rest of the crowd. The wavering leaves in the trees above still blocked her view of the sky, and so she kept moving around to the other side of the field, keeping to the forest so that the men in the pickup truck would not see her and yell at her. As Doris trekked through the forest, people in the parking lot began sending up sky lanterns. 
Each cast a blanket of warm, flickering light that fell over the forest and illuminated the area around Doris for a few seconds before it ascended further and fell into the sky and was nothing more than a wavering dot of light. This procession of lightness and dark went on for several minutes. More than once, when Doris was at the deepest point in the forest, she would see, out of the corner of her eye, what appeared to be the silhouette of a person in the distance, placed between the tree trunks. The silhouette would be gone with the next sky lantern that went up, and so Doris avoided walking near those areas. Stepping out of the forest, Doris saw that the crowd had stretched to the very edge of the tree line. She slowed down to catch her breath. Looking to her left, she saw a large oak tree standing between the forest and the mass of people, mumbling admirations under their collective breath in unison, eyes fixed on the sky. She made her way to the tree, nudging herself under its canopy and peering up into its depths, knotted web of branches and leaves. With one more glance around, she wrapped herself under the trunk of the tree and began to shimmy her way upwards towards the lowest hanging branch. Pushing up from her thighs, she grabbed the branch and pulled herself onto it. Her palms and the inside of her thighs were scraped and cut and small droplets of blood were forming where the bark had worn her skin away. She hopped and pulled and swung her way up a few more levels until she reached what seemed to be a high enough branch to see over the crowd. The view, however, was almost entirely blocked by leaves. There was another sturdy-looking branch well above her, but only one branch to support her in between, and it was, at best, at the very edge of her reach. Doris stood up and balanced herself on the branch, swaying back and forth and constantly reaching over with both hands to stabilize herself against the trunk. She stretched and reached as far as she could. The branch wobbled below her, and she steadied herself one last time before bending her knees and springing upward towards the branch. Her fingers splayed out and clasped at the air before landing around the branch and holding to it. The tree shook violently, and there was a creaking noise. The branch she had jumped from snapped and tumbled to the earth below. She hurled herself up onto the target branch, her chest thudding against her ribs, drowning out the sound of the fireworks for a moment. Icy goosebumps washed over her skin, prickling at the bark of the branch and the smooth humidity of the air. The fireworks exploded now in rapid succession, stepping over each other and finishing each other's sentences, until they finally rounded out the show in unison and came to a deafening close. A dozen lives lived in the span of two and a half seconds, now all shouting and screaming at the same time, indiscernible over the others, until at last there was silence except for the ringing in your ears, and then one more firework spraying outward triumphantly into the stunned and quiet night damp and heavy as Doris's dress sticking to her skin with the humming of the crickets and fireflies and stars hanging on the breath of the crowd. The people in the field cheered briefly, then folded up and raced for the parking lot. Doris was stuck. The next branch below her was now far too low to jump to, and her hands were too raw and throbbing to make any attempt at shimmying down. She watched the smoke linger above the field, and saw a flit of wind pick it up and shuffle it away from her tree, drawing a veil over the moon and scattering silky rays of the soft light over the entire proceeding. Below her, the last few people were packing their cars and slamming their trunks shut. Doris saw tail lights file down the road, but didn't see Arthur's cherry red thunderbird anywhere. Catherine's parents were gone as well. Doris yelled out, but nobody noticed over the din of the thrumming engines and closing doors. 
Soon, the last person left in the parking lot started their car and took their place in the line winding its way down the road back into town. A mosquito buzzed in Doris's ear. Looking down, she saw a figure standing at the base of the tree. Leonard, gazing up at her. His hand was on his stomach, the index finger making tracks back and forth over his navel. Well, hello there, he said. Doris stared down at him. What are you doing up there? I was trying to see the fireworks, said Doris. And did you? The ending, yes. Leonard nodded his head and shoved his hand into his pocket. Well, that's nice. So why are you still up there? I'm stuck, she said. The smoke moved past the moon, and she saw Leonard's upper lip twitch and he flexed his jaw back and forth. A scar ran smoothly across the lower left side of his forehead, right above his eye, which was squinted and fixed on Doris. He sucked on his teeth. Do your parents know you're up there? No, they don't, she said. Hmm. A police car came down against the thinning line of cars on the road and pulled into the parking lot. The officer scanned the scene and then got out of his car and headed towards Leonard. Hey, Leonard, what are you up to out here? Hey there, Dave, said Leonard. I was just about to go home for the night when I noticed this here girl up in the tree. The officer looked up now, scanning the darkness of the canopy, the whites of Doris's eyes blinking against the darkness of the leaves. Now how the heck did you get up there, he asked. I climbed, but then a branch broke, and now I'm stuck. You're awful far up there, said the officer. Figure I'd better call the fire department, huh? Oh no, said Leonard. No need to bother those guys, Dave. I've got her just fine. There's a perfect-sized ladder back at the shop. I was just about to run and get it. You sure, said the officer, his feet settling into the grass. Of course, said Leonard. I know her dad. He's a good customer of mine. I'll just take her right home after. The officer adjusted his belt and shifted in his pants. You're a good guy, Leonard, said the officer. If you need help, give me a call. But wait, said Doris. The officer was already moving away from the tree. Don't worry, young lady. Leonard's a good man. He'll take care of you. It's not a problem at all, said Leonard. I'll see you at lunch this weekend, I'm sure. Can't wait, said the officer, now striding back to his car. Leonard stood and watched him go. There were no cars left on the road now as the officer sped out of sight. Leonard turned back to the tree. You're going to take me back to my house? asked Doris. No. Doris glanced outward from her perch in the tree. The field was empty now, save for the occasional breeze in the grass. The night that had seemed so busy and full of life only minutes earlier now seemed lonely and ominous. Well, I'm not coming down then, she said. I can see that. I wish you would, though. He kicked at the grass with the toe of his boot. Why, she asked. Where are we going? It's a surprise. I'm not going with you. And why not? Because, she said. Leonard tilted his head to the right and scratched his neck. Doesn't seem to me like you've got much of a choice now, does it? What do you want? Doris asked. Why are you doing this? All I want is a date, said Leonard, his eyes squinting up at her. 
Doris stared back down at him. What's the matter? You don't got a boyfriend, do you? Doris's hands trembled against the branch. No. No, you don't. And that Randall fellow's already got himself a girl, so there's no use barking up that tree. Doris squinted her eyes shut and clenched her jaw. Oh, come on now, that was funny. It's okay to laugh, sweetheart. What do you mean a date, said Doris. I mean a date. Nice and romantic. All you gotta do is hop in my truck. No, said Doris. I'll treat you real nice, buy you dinner, then we can go dancing and see a movie. You do like movies, right? Doris tilted her head up and stared towards the sky, nape of her neck gleaming soft and sweat speckled in the moonlight. Her dress fluttered up with the leaves as the light breeze rolled through. Leonard bit down on his bottom lip. Go see a picture with Gary Cooper? He's a nice looking actor, isn't he? Said Leonard. Doris didn't respond. The only thing is, darling, I don't very much like waiting. Stop it, shouted Doris, the corners of her eyes beginning to blur with tears. Stop it, I'm not going with you. Oh, come on now, no need to be cruel to me. I'm not that much older than your dad, and you like your dad just all right, don't you? Why don't you give me a chance? Doris shook her head violently and pounded on the branch with her fists. Please just let me go, she shouted. Well, now I just can't do that, said Leonard. Stop, stop, just get my parents, please. And ruin the date? Never, said Leonard. They'll be wondering where I am when I'm not home soon. You were with Catherine. They won't be suspicious of anything for at least another few hours. And you and I both know that's plenty of time for us to go on our little date. Catherine, said Doris, she'll remember me and come back to pick me up. She already did. I told her I'd take you home, said Leonard. The color rushed away from Doris's face. Now look, darling, from where I'm standing, I'm afraid I don't see any other way out of this for you. I'm going to get you down one way or the other, and it's up to you if you want to go on a nice pleasant date or if you want to make it a bad time for yourself. But you're getting in my truck either way. Tears were now rolling down Doris's face. Please, she sputtered, please. Leonard smiled and shook his head. He spit into the dirt. Now, now, he said. Don't cry, Doris. You're so pretty. I hate to see you cry. I just want to take you home and make you my baby, you see. That's all. We can get milkshakes if that's what you want. My brother over in Plainfield's got a farm with horses. You'd like to ride a horse, wouldn't you? Doris's body began lightly shaking with her sobs. I said stop crying, Leonard shouted, spittle flying, or I'm going to knock you out of that damn tree. Jaw clenched, body trembling. Doris scanned the ground below. Don't even think about jumping out of there, sweetheart, he said, calmness returning. The best you can hope for is that you'd only break an ankle or two, and pretty bad at that, and I'd hate for you to be in a lot of pain on our date. Doris pressed her back up against the trunk of the tree. All right, now I'll be right back. My truck's just up around the corner. I'll come get you and you can get nice and pretty for our date while you wait, said Leonard. And so Leonard trotted off towards where his truck was parked.